you doing, everybody? Welcome to another episode. Sadly, Dax no ways tonight. He's getting his uh, hair transplant done. So um, he should be back in the next couple of weeks, probably wearing a hat and that. We're very privileged to be joined by the assistant manager of Mullowell, Keith Lasley. Cheers for joining us tonight. Happy to be here. Appreciate Didn't it. have to travel too far, which no, is good. No, <laughs> nice and local, but we're going to talk about that local connection. Before we go on to it, we'll just uh, go through our sponsor for the night. It's Arch Fire and Security. It's um, Owen Arch Deacon, the coach of Coburnley, the new coach here. So Tommy and Sean and Owen get a good one at the weekend, so well done to the lads. So Arch Fire and Security, they specialise in fire alarms, security alarms and CCTV installation. With the change in law coming into effect in February 2022, all households must be in, uh, interlinked, smoke detectors in all rooms, so it's a good time to get in touch. You can get in touch with Owen at ownarchdeacon85 at gmail.com and if you quote PG and Dak, you've got a 15% discount. You're going to have to quote PG and Dak because you need to get a house all linked up now. <laughs> and he's, he's local as well. I used to play with his son, Owen uh, Mark. No, no, oh, aye, that's right. <sighs> aye, he's a... Uh, He's a green up now. Green up, yeah. Well, he's a young lad coming through. Aye, Archie, aye. Aye, aye. aye. No, that's, that's his brother. It's his brother, Ron. Oh, is it? Aye. All right, because his dad's on the show. Aye, aye. Right? Se- no, right. seniors, uh, seniors at that game. Right, okay. No, sorry. no. See, that's, that's how bad it is that Owen's, <laughs> Owen's about to be 35 now. Right, okay. So, not a young man anymore, Ron. Keep that in mind. <laughs> right, so, talking about that local connection, you played for the dark side. You played for Park Moor? I did, yes. Ah, that's... Uh, well, I started there. I started <laughs> there. I ended up at Erskine, but I was at uh, Park Moor was the start. How was it back then? Because obviously I, I've been involved with Erskine youth and stuff, and I ended up, when I finished playing at juniors, and I drove back to amateur team with Erskine. What was it like playing in the Erskine kind of clubs back then? Um, a big rivalry, actually, I remember, to be honest, between Park Moor and Erskine. Um, my two older brothers it, I think, did the same thing as me, started at Park Moor and then eventually then moved over to Erskine which felt like a big sort of transfer <laughs> deadline day that felt <laughs> no. like you know, a big a big transfer um, but I remember playing in just the, the red ash pitches in uh, Erskine St. really Anne's, St Anne's School yeah. Barcel School uh, Park Mains uh, you know Darroch you know you go through all the, the pitches but predominantly on the red ash um, and that was it really you know 9, nine 10 well I think maybe 8 I started 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 and I think then once I started getting I think maybe 13 I then moved moved over to Erskine sort of light sort of light aye and, uh, and, uh, and then had a great time there uh, we had a great you know great side and, and right through to kind of 18s really um, you've, you've was, moved on to Glenifer after Erskine yeah. that's where you've been picked up to Billy Davies did a bit it of coaching that, that was the only reason I left to be honest and I, I, I actually still remember that um, phone call uh, my Erskine manager Charlie Ritchie which is actually one of the of the kind of football career I've been on to have is one of the hardest phone calls that I've ever had to make because we had such a a good team all my mates all playing together and we had a good team as well you know we had, we had a good side and uh, to, so actually get, having that phone call to tell him that I was leaving to go to Glenford which in terms of football terms it wasn't a great move but yeah. the only reason I left was it was the opportunity of getting an opportunity if you like you yeah. know because I knew they, they set up there and Billy was involved in it and um, it was really because of that, uh, that, that, that the only reason really that I left so um, aye it was, it was a difficult one See was there any pro youth back then obviously you had the youth set ups and stuff was it still the boys club or was that before pro youth came into effect I, I don't really know is the honest answer I don't think it's certainly no the academy structure right. there is now it's nowhere near Um 
what I felt at Erskine again was, and it's different to now because my own, my own boy has played for Erskine, started at Erskine, and he's he's actually in St Murn Academy now. And I think there seems to be a lot more scouts out there. When I was when we were certainly when we were playing for Erskine, part we were in Erskine, didn't seem to really be many people wa- no. out watching the games and looking for young boys for this area. I don't know why it was always you always heard the boys from Glasgow and Paisley and getting picked up by the teams. And I don't think it was a lack of talent. As I say, we we had some right good players in our team, but. Again, for whatever reason, I think that's changed now. I think there is more players down watching, certainly my yeah. son's level. He's, he's only nine now, but even I can remember six, seven, eight years old, and or uh, you know the Sitman Scouts over yeah. there, or the Ranger Scouts over there, or you know. So I think uh, Morton, well, you know, all the kind of teams local. Um, so I, I think that's just the, the game's totally changed in that regard. So as I said, it never really happened for me, but at, at Erskine there wasn't that youth set up yeah. as you say. Uh, and it was really just that connection with Billy Davis that was was my way into professional football. Did he ask you to go in to play with Glenifer? Was there always, did, or did you think there was a possibility of moving on from Glenifer? No, it, it was a bit different really. It was, it, Billy had a relationship with the manager there, so it was really I was going there because I knew he he t- what happened was he trained the team once a week at Lin- Linwood Sports Centre. We trained right. the old first generation uh, Astro there. I if you remember will. that. <laughs> I think we've had a few kind of burns on that <laughs> Astro um, but we trained there one night a week and it was him that took it and Billy was just coming to the end of his playing career at Motherwell and I think he was using it as a bit of experience because he was mm. going to go into coaching right, yeah. and he was using our under-18s team or the Glenifer under-18s team as, as a kind of bit of experience to get right. playing and I heard that but he wasn't actually the manager he wasn't actually involved in the team as such mm-hmm. he was just taking that kind of on a one night a week basis so really I kind of knew that I got wind of that and and, and again, it really went for there, you know, as I say. And even at that, I mean, even at that, he then left, got the Motherwell job, and it was really afterwards he then got back in touch mm-hmm. and said, look, you know, do you want to come up for a trial? Um, and by that time, you know, without going too far in it, I had left school, I'd do my apprentice uh, electrician. Uh, I was kind of third year into my right. apprenticeship. And it was really kind of deep into that before he actually phoned me and said, look, do you want to come up? So I was, it was 19 before I ended up actually getting up tomorrow. That's quite late in the game now, isn't it, when you're getting a lot of boys coming through 16, 17. How did you find the transition into proper adult football? I know you're playing 18s as boys are getting older, but how did you find the transition into adults football and particularly at Premier League level? Huge, to be honest. I actually felt inadequate, mm. is the word I would choose, because, as I said, I'd left football... I was obviously doing my sparky, and I loved it. Loved the working environment. Can I? I just, I was, I was decent at school. I wasn't certainly wasn't top of the class, but I wasn't bottom either, you know. But I just wanted to go and work and earn a few quid and, uh, you know, go to the weekend yeah. with my mates and play football at the weekend. You know, it was kind of all the things that I think we all wanted to do at that age. Um, so when I actually got the chance to go and I took it, I walked in and I still felt as if I was that guy. Right. It was on a site two weeks ago, you know. So I thought. And I didn't really think it would last forever, to be honest. I kind of thought, I'll come in here, I'll get a shot. But I was wanting a dressing room with, uh, you know, John Spencer, Andy Gorham, Don Goodman, you know, guys that yeah. really played at the top level of football. And I'm thinking, a sweet guy that's been in the building site last week, you know, <laughs> walking in with my overalls from the West. Uh, so, I inadequate as the words I'd use, and it took me, it actually took me a long, long time to actually get to a level mentally. I think that I felt right. I actually belong in this environment. You're saying mentally there, that's. I played, I was full-time with Clyde for a year when they were in the first division, I don't know, maybe about 15, 16 years ago. I wasn't good enough to make the step up and ended up going junior. But I found the full-time training, because we only had five or six of the young players who went in to the first team, so we basically trained with the first team. 
and I found that really mentally difficult. Like I didn't have the confidence at the time, and I was always hard on myself. Is that way? Is that the way you felt when you first went in? Definitely, I confidence was a huge issue for me, and I think people look at. I probably look at myself, at my, my, my middle career, and you think I played X amount of games, you know, uh, did a lot of achievements, mm. and became a kind of established player at the club. But see if I think back to that time, and I, I, it was absolutely polar opposite. Right. You know, I honestly felt as if I was like this time next year I'll be really. You know, it was, and I'm not saying that to disparage myself. It was just a fact. Right. You know, that, that is just where I was. That was where my mental headspace was. And, uh, and a couple of times it was really close a couple of times seeing that my first year my first maybe two years it was just like one year contract I was right. signing and I remember um, you know no finding out to like the last day of my contract almost you know it was it was a case of and it was a bit of a toss up whether I was going to be right uh, here's another year or right see you later right. you know so I think the first couple of years were, were really tough and as I said, it was really time that just gradually, and I'm, then I got, you know, made my debut. Then I kind of made three or four other appearances, and it was just kind of small steps. To well, really the thing like, is, you're saying it's quite kind of tight and stuff. You made your debut against Rangers. I don't, I, you don't really get any bigger than that to make your debut, particularly in Scottish football. What was that like being a young guy kind of that? Because obviously you've been better than you're maybe giving yourself credit for, where you're thinking you've come off the site and stuff. But you've obviously been a fair bit better than you've, you're giving yourself credit for. What was it like? playing against Rangers with I'd imagine the players that they had at their disposal at that time <clears throat> Aye uh, an experience uh, an education I think is the way I'd, I'd describe it um, I mean that Rangers team was I, I'd say probably one of the best Rangers teams right. in the last 20, 30, 40 years right. you know you, you, especially in the area of the pitch I was playing in midfield you know it's Van Bronckhurst it's Barry Ferguson at his top his game it's George Alberts it's Claudio Reyna it's two guy it's you know the list goes on and on and on Ronald De Boer so and I remember again things you remember it sticks out in my mind is a phone call for Billy to my mum and dad's house up in Park Linden in Erskine and I never forget that phone call it's, it's one of the phone calls I always remember and it, because my dad picked up and it was I could tell it was an important phone call just the way he was talking Aye. and I was like that's a different tone of voice <laughs> and uh, and that's who it was it was Billy and he I don't think even I actually spoke to him I think my dad just came off and said look he just says you're playing tomorrow and I'm like right okay and I knew the game Aye. Ibrooks and I'm thinking Right, okay. Is that completely complete <laughs> left field? I, I wanted to sleep the night, but that's no happening now. <laughs> so, but anyway, in terms of the experience, unbelievable experience, draining experience. I remember after the game just being absolutely drained. I actually felt as if I'd done well in the game. We get beat 2 0, but in many ways that was an achievement back in right. that time. It wasn't a terrible result, funnily enough, but an absolute education playing against that level of player. Well, talking about that, how was it? Because obviously Ferguson was still been quite young, but he's arguably one of the greatest Scottish midfielders of this generation you've got Van Bronckhorst two guy who absolute zing on unbelievable what, what was your feelings playing against the guys did you feel like you handled it well enough or do you feel like you were just chasing shadows uh, a wee bit of both to be honest with you I think I handled it well I actually thought I actually thought I played quite well in the game in saying that I was still chasing shadows but right. I didn't feel as if I get overly exposed I think that was my fear you walk into a stadium like that 50,000 people your debut your family are there uh, and you think right I don't I just don't want to get exposed here. I want to, I want to try and give a good account of myself and I think I've done that you know even looking back now I think I did listen to be spend most of the game chasing them right. about the pitch aye but better players, players than me right. did that that season um, 
so uh, you know again the players you mentioned likes of bad effects and that just to just to be close to them just to put a tackling in them just to win the ball off of them a couple of times was again I go back to that kind of confidence building for me nice. uh, that's the things that you think oh you know, that's like I'm in the same pitch as these right. guys. Oh, I've just won the ball off him. Oh, I've just made a decent pass. You know, it's, it's like oh, maybe I can play football. <laughs> you know, at that level, and and I think it does take things like that for you to really believe that right. I, I can play. What's yeah. it like being in a dressing room before a game at Parkhead or Ibrox? Obviously, Billy Davies has been on done well down south and stuff. What's he like, or what was he like before a big game or that? Is there anything different, or is it just trying to treat it like a normal game and you just go and play? Um, I, I think I can vary from manager to manager. What Billy was was very intense, very demanding. So I, I think I, I can't think crystal clear in terms of his actual team talk and things like right. that. But what I can remember overall about him, and I'm sure it'd have been exactly the same that day, is demanding. I mean, Billy, no matter the game, he just I think he want he felt as if he could win every game. Right. You know, and he, like, I think he demanded that of you, which I don't think is a bad thing because. I think even at Motherwell, sometimes we have suffered over the years of a wee bit inferiority complex. You know, I think you know a couple of managers will maybe go on to speak about them, but you know, I think the managers that have have gave us belief that we can go and compete with the best and and uh, you know go to places like Ibrooks and you no know, just get rolled yeah. over and be happy with that. You know, it's it's I think and Billy was one of those. You know, it's it's no surprise that he went on then down south and did what he did. I mean, technically a very good coach but a demanding coach, Aye. you know, somebody that every single day was, you know, get every ounce out of you. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was great. It was great for the group. Uh, maybe too intense for his own good at times, and I think that's maybe he's had a few fallouts over Aye. the years. But in terms of an actual football coach, first class. That's excellent. We'll come back on to that, because there's one manager in particular I'd like to talk to you about, but we'll back on to that down the line. You're a couple of years in, you're starting to get yourself into the first team a bit more, and then administration comes in April 2002. Did you take much notice of that, being so young? Um, because obviously, as, if that happened when you were captain, or as you are now as assistant manager, you'd be focusing a lot more on people who do different jobs about the stadium and what it might impact them and their families. But as a youngster, how did you react to that? Or did you see, oh, it's an opportunity for me to play? Um, I, I did eventually see it as an opportunity and it was an opportunity to be honest it was it was a massive opportunity but at the time no I mean at the time you knew it was serious mm. I think you knew the consequences I know what you're saying you were still a young player and you're absolutely right me now or as a captain or now my role I would have a much better understanding of what the whole thing meant but even being a young player you still knew there was something mm. you, know, you know something pretty big you know and the consequences were going to be big um, and yeah so you knew it was a really difficult time for the club as usual the fans got together and were you know absolutely fantastic in terms of it's well worth saving campaign did what they could did their bit and then I remember getting taken into a room one by one it was pretty much you know you either had a job uh, you had to take a, a wage cut or you didn't have a job you know it was like three options your name get put on the wall never forget it, it was sheet in the wall you got like a 10 minute time slot and it was basically you go in with the administrators as I say it was like get your boots in the way or you know as I said you know you could stay so and I think that was for every member of staff not just the players you know I think there was every member of staff was called into a room one by one so it was a, you just knew it was a terrible atmosphere people coming and going that you'd worked with that you'd seen people that had been in the building at that point a lot longer than me you see you lose their job so you still had an appreciation for what was going on 
Um, it's maybe only when you look back or and you, you see the full, even even bigger picture of what exactly happened. But as you say, it actually what ended up coming out of it was an opportunity, not just for me, but a lot of actually good young players that came through. So obviously, you've got like Steve Hamill, Clarkson and stuff like that, who were all about that time with yourself. What was your conversation like when you went in? Because obviously, the administrators, it's not like when you're talking about earlier about your on the day your contract finishing that the gaffer will bring you in and they'll say look this is what we think this is what we're looking for or whatever we're going to keep you what was the conversation like getting in with administrators who ultimately don't really care about the football side yet what was that like uh, short I think and to the point I don't think there wasn't a <laughs> when I say a conversation it wasn't a kind of two way it was like oh, you went <laughs> yeah, in and you listened you. I think for, 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 for two minutes and I think from memory all it really was I mean some of the conversations might have been a bit longer than mine because um, you know, particularly the guys that were maybe had to negotiate their wages lower or told you know that's you you're away um, but for myself it was a case of you know you're earning this amount of money which wasn't a great deal of money at all uh, right you're, we're going to keep you on that, that contract which I think was only as I said at the time was kind of one year contracts right. anyway it wasn't as if uh, you know I was on a big contract and anything like that and that was it I mean that was pretty much it you went in you said right you've still got a job you're going to stay on this money for this amount of time see you later next you know so it was it was a bit of a right. conveyor belt but as I say for the guys that and at that point John Boyle had obviously put a lot of money right. into, the, into the club so there was guys on a lot of money um, I'm sure the conversations were obviously a bit, a, bit uh, a bit different to mine Obviously, you spoke about there. Just to digress a wee bit, you spoke about the the fans groups putting a lot into the club. Um, and if there's ever there's going to be any Motherwell fans listening, in, do you think that's maybe part of the reason why the club have been so good with the fans this season um, through COVID? Where I mean, I, I, everybody knows that listens. I'm a Celtic fan, and me and my mates haven't been overly polite about Celtic with how things have been with season ticket increases and stuff. But the fact that Motherwell were so good with the fans and basically if you had a season ticket last year you go to this year and that was mm -hmm. it is that something that you as a management team are really pleased at the club do? Definitely because I think our club I think what we try and do is take a longer term view I think a lot of football clubs through necessity think you know they just live hand to mouth and they think of just this moment so we need money in right now we need it in you know like whatever no matter what the fans feel like right we need yeah. to put our season tickets up by you know, 30 quid a pop this week because we need this money in. And I think what the Euro club are trying to do is, is take a step back and think in the longer term. You know, this football club is hopefully going to be here in another 100 years' time. You know, we need to bring that fan base with yeah. us along that journey. You know, it's not about, you know, can we make an extra 100 grand this year out of the fans, you know, or treat them as customers. It's like they are the football club. I mean, our fans own their football club essentially now and it's, it's as you say, it's trying to give a, a bit back during a tough time but I think it's trying to take a longer term right. view as well of the club as a whole and what it represents because for our club and I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of clubs could make their own case, our club plays such a big part in the community right. as a whole and I know that sounds dead cliche but it, it literally does on a daily basis change people's lives or help people's lives you know be that through the community programme um, you know help with suicide prevention in a local area uh, providing school meals to, to, to bribe children in the area so our football club actually does play an active part such a a big part of of the the feeling of the whole community the community as a whole so it's, it's so if we can free season tickets or stop season tickets for a year Aye. For us, the benefit over the longer term is far outweighs that. I think it's quite a good thing to do because ultimately it does benefit the club as well, which 
but it's good that the fans are getting that back and I suppose it does create that feeling but that was just me something I wanted <laughs> to ask you that um, so through the administration period you've, the club's finished 11th and then the season after finished bottom of the league go fortunate with Falkirk no having the, the right criteria to get promoted was that a good opportunity again for younger players like yourself to, to get a bit of time to play when you're kind of the team's trying to build on the kind of setbacks I've had previously yeah definitely as I said that that whole administration period after it was opportunities I said myself Clarkson Pearson uh, McFadden Hamill you know all these guys I'd probably say would we still have made it through possibly but I don't think it's a given right. I don't think even guys like McFadden which sounds like ridiculous but I do think the pathways were were opened up, you know, uh, quicker, mm-hmm. and it gave us a lot more opportunities. And um, and yeah, it was a, it was tough, you know, the season. I mean, the fall cut situation. When you think about it, it's, horrible, was, it? it's just uh, horrible. It is uh, horrible, you know. And, and uh, at the time, obviously, we were the beneficiaries of that. So, are we going to, as a group no. of players, certainly, are we going to argue with that? Absolutely not. But is it nonsense? Aye, you know, it's it's. But you know, it was what it was. That was the rules. We just went along with it. But um, but yeah, I think that period it did through that adversity through the just as I say having the opportunity to play because we just didn't have a big squad we didn't have the money to bring in a big squad it definitely I think gave a pathway and pathway is something that spoke about a lot in youth football these days we certainly had the pathway to go into the first team and, and, and make an impact I suppose it's good that it was good for the Scottish game as well with like Sam McFadden and Clarkson's end up getting capped Pearson as well all get capped it was good for the for the Scottish game and all for these young players to come through which I think is something that can be lost on bigger clubs where you look at Hamilton through the years they've had to play their youth players so it's always benefited you've had a couple of years you started to get yourself a bit established in the first team and then you've went down south to Plymouth how did that move come about? Um, it all happened pretty late to be honest uh, I remember the 04 season which was the, the season I left and again I felt as if it was only really into that season that I started to really establish myself in terms of being a you know proper regular in team if you like and again it probably goes back to my insecurities of joining Marlborough at first it was actually I never really did an intention of leaving the club as such but once I heard that a club even an English club again something to me that I never thought would really happen to me to be honest with you you know I just again no, just kind of saying that I put myself down but just at that point I didn't think it was going to happen and a couple of clubs up here Aberdeen being one uh, I think it was a couple of clubs Hibs maybe as well and then the Plymouth option came up as well and I don't think I would have left for another Scottish team but the English option and Plymouth had just been promoted into the newly formed championship yeah. this was going to be the first championship as it was that year 2004 and uh, you know I, I looked at the league and it was you know, it was West Ham it was Sunderland it was Leeds United yeah. it was you know and I, and I thought um, I never had any kids at the time me and my wife well it was girlfriend at the time and I just saw it as an opportunity I thought it was a kind of once in a lifetime thing and I thought is it something that you'll probably regret and think back and, and you know, maybe I'd take that chance. But anyway, so all the things put together, I wasn't in a rush to leave Motherwell, but it was just the opportunity came and, you know, I decided to go for it, basically. You know what it's like? It's hard with the allure of going down to England. You're talking about some of the clubs. I mean, that's, that's proper premiership clubs as yeah. well that you're getting the opportunity to play against. Spoke about it earlier about when you've stepped into full-time football and maybe the the way you had to go up in your fitness and maybe insecurities in yourself that you've had to kind of try and get your confidence up. You know what the English view is, it's very kind of, it's not the highest it is up here. And I remember seeing, I remember when Hearts played um, Tottenham mm-hmm. in the Europa League or UEFA Cup, maybe still then, and um, 
Harry Redknapp came out and said after it, he's like, I was very surprised at how poor the fitness levels were. Mm-hmm. Is that something you found, that the fitness levels were so much higher? Uh, aye, uh, certainly that time, you know, that was 2004. I wouldn't say it was so much fitness, it was the physicality. Yeah. It was like the kind of athleticism is the word I would use. I mean, I'm obviously not the biggest guy in the world, but when I went down, I think my first, cup, first game was against Millwall. I'm pretty sure at home we played Millwall. And I played... Uh, and it was the size, you know. So again, probably no fitness and being able to run. This again, engines probably something I've been able to run. But when I was in the tunnel, it was like it was one of the ones, you know. It was like proper, right? Uh, you know, land of the giant stuff. And I think over the whole, that's what I would say. I would say, in terms of the technical, the football the technical side, there was a big uplift for certain teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West Ham people. Teddy Sheringham was yeah. still was playing for West Ham at that point, and you know I could I could go on to name a few players. So individual players, and it's particularly the bigger clubs. Technically, aye, there was a jump, but on the whole, kind of middle, uh, lower end of the league, I wouldn't say technical aspect was bigger. I'd say just athleticism was was was, was a big thing, and I think Scotland's caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the advent of sports science, and I think the setup and setups and staffing structures in Scotland now is a lot more professional. Um, and the knowledge is caught up, so I don't think it's as much of a, a gap now. But back then, I think I think there was a, a big gap in the physicality. Is that something that obviously you experienced at first hand back then? Is that something that you are quite heavy on now with your team, where it's you want the players to be very physical in terms of their size and that obviously it makes you stronger and a better player. Is that something that you push forward quite a lot? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, is, is the answer. I think all teams do, and I don't think it's not necessarily always about bulking up. Essentially, it's just even the ones that are in a smaller frame. It's just being as fit and strong within that frame that they can be. Basically, um, I think it's I think it's a general thing. It's not just in football, but across sport. As I say, sports science and nutrition and all the things. And I think the players themselves now are a lot better educated. Yeah. You know, I think back then we'd turn up at a gym and you know maybe your physio would say right go and do uh, eight reps on the bench press and you know go and do six pull-ups you know but whereas now it's individual okay. programs the players know themselves uh, you know most of the exercises most of them are on sub- taking supplements most of them are uh, you know just just looking after themselves yeah. a lot better than certainly we were at that point so I think the, the education side that the knowledge is, is a lot better now and as I say I think across the board I don't think there will be as much of a gap yeah. uh, from, from down south to up, up here anymore How did the rest of your time go? It was obviously Plymouth working at they stayed in division for a few years actually but how did you find your time there under Bobby Williamson and you've, you've obviously ended up moving on in loan with Blackpool did everything go the way you wanted it to go or did it kind of uh, no, not really, to be honest. I think at first it did. I mean, I, put, I went down, I played maybe the first 15, 20 games, something like that. Everything in life was great. Great league, as I say, great stadiums, different football, everything was fresh. Um, and Plymouth, a big club, you know, not traditional in the traditional sense of a great history of winning anything, but if you know you know in Plymouth, you've ever been down that neck of the woods, it's very, geographically, it's quite mm-hmm. isolated. So it's actually got yeah. a really big fan base. I mean, as I say, that first game against Millwall, I think we had 20,000 at that game, you know, so it shows you the, if they get it right and they're in the right division, there's an appetite there yeah. and there's a fan base there to, to work with. So all that side, it was great. Unfortunately for me, it just, a few, a couple of changes of managers and things like that, which we, you know, which we know can happen in football. Slowly, I just kind of fell at the team. I was on the bench and then you're kind of in the squad and then it slowly it just kind of went away for me. So ultimately I ended up going and loan to Blackpool. Again, a good experience. 
again I was I was actually set to sign there um, Simon Grayson was manager it was his first job but again I don't know how fo- close you followed that club Blackpool but they've had a, a lot of off-field problems right. over the years a lot of off-field problems and um, again I, I'd verbally agreed a contract but then that contract was taken away but ultimately all of that in a nutshell ended up when we were coming back to the Motherwell in 2006 so would I change it? No I wouldn't change it at the time would I change it? Yeah I was frustrated I didn't feel as if it went as well as I'd hoped but um, as I said kind of sliding doors moment because I never signed at Blackpool I ended up coming back to Motherwell so obviously it's worked out well for you in the end you've doped in a division going to Blackpool how did you find the standard in League One compared to the Championship with the bigger clubs in it? I it was a step down there's no doubt about that um, I mean there's still some big clubs in it I remember playing at Bournemouth funnily enough although I think that's a totally different football club <laughs> now it was then to be honest um, but as League One if you look at League One even today uh, you know it's I think it's always got maybe six, eight, ten bigger clubs yeah. in it that have maybe dropped down so there was some big games in it but I definitely felt as if there was a bit of a drop in, in, uh, in standard um, but you know still, I still did enjoy my time there Moving back, Morris Malpass is a manager. How did that come about? Because obviously you've been down south for the best part of two years. Was there a, was there an agent involved or was there just the club <coughs> got in touch with you? Yeah, no, there was an agent involved. I, I was never ever signed with an agent, but I always took advice at certain times. Um, and I did at that time, so... Uh, I actually came up to train with Kilmarnock, so I trained with Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown with Kilmarnock over at the Science Parks. And um, they were great with me. They offered me to come up and say, look, they turned that my move had broken down to Blackpool, come up and train and see what your fitness is like and then maybe possibility of signing as well. And following enough, I actually picked up a wee niggly injury, so it took me a bit longer to get training with them than I'd hoped. But anyway, I trained for two or three weeks. And uh, eventually, at the time, and it was a bit strange, again, sliding doors moments, they offered me a contract, I think, I can't remember what day it was, whatever day it was, on the morning, and I think as I was driving back, I might have been staying at my mum and dad's in Erskine actually. As easier as I get back on the way back or at my mum's, I got a phone call from Motherwell out of the blue. Mm. Um, I think it was actually be Stuart Robertson, who's now the Rangers chief executive. He was the Motherwell chief executive at the time. I'm sure the first phone call was for Stuart. And I was just, I mean, literally, I was going to speak to my mum and dad and probably go and sign for Commander that day or the following day. And then uh, I got a phone call that out of the blue from Motherwell that afternoon. and um, as soon as I heard the, their yeah. interest and I spoke to Mo as well manager and uh, you know that was it you know mine was made up you know in terms of money there was never going to be too much of a difference right. but as soon as I knew Mullerwell were interested again I was like and I had to phone Jim and I was very apologetic again difficult phone call to make but he was you know once he knew that Mullerwell were in for me I think he un- right. understood and he was you know a great guy Jim Jeffrey, so much time from and great football guy uh, he was great with me and, and that was me I backed him all but it was really it was again kind of bought these moments you think back you think god I could have signed for Kelly it was it was a, a sliding doors moment as I say but I was I was delighted to go back you've started off quite well that season and then a week Inverness you've got the ACL tear yeah how was that because obviously you, you've not had an injury like that before so how was that trying to get through that stage it's not the best place to do it that's for sure Inverness <laughs> away because sitting on a bus for four hours with your leg up in there is is no great so I remember that part about it and it was my own fault I always remember it was Ian Black and uh, me and Ian always had a, a few tussles over the years a few did well I, I, a few <laughs> and do you know what I've actually went and tried to 
tackle myself, if you like, and it was. I've ended up doing myself a wee bit. My leg stuck in the, you know, classic your studs catch. That, that sounds like you've worded that well for you. Went to try and do them. Aye, well, aye. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say that, but I would. As I say, we did have a few tussles over the years, but listen, actually, really good player. He knows the tough game against him. To be honest with you, one of my toughest opponents. To be honest, but um, so anyway, I ended up doing myself. So it was not a great first uh, season, if you like, my first kind of big injury as well, as you say. And um, but with a great a great physio at um, Motherwell John Portis been there for years and actually had recently rehabbed a couple of ACLs actually um, so he was very well up to date in terms of the, you know the surgery and the rehab and all that so he was he was first class with me and I was actually talking about ACLs anyway I was re- back relatively quick I think it was about I think it was about five and a half months, six months, you know, start to finish. Normally, an eight or nine. Aye, months. aye. Oh, so yeah. I was, I was, I was. I'm pretty sure from from doing it to my first day back training was pretty much around about six months, which I was delighted with. And, and again, I've after that, I never had another problem with it, which you know was it was big. For what me. was the likes of your recovery? Because obviously, even though it was only about fifteen years ago, then so it's not a million miles away, but things have evolved quite a fair bit since then. I've watched the David Turnbull video that was on YouTube and stuff and obviously you were there when he's gone through that not exactly the same injury but was there a big difference because you've seen it first hand the stuff that he was going through to what you went through or was it quite similar the process Um, I think it was quite I think it was quite similar what I was lucky with I never had a lot of damage around the cruciate it was just basically my cruciate had gone and I think if you speak to a lot of physios I think what can be the problem is it's when the cartilage you maybe have a a cartilage tear. I don't and, have cartilage in my right knee. I'm well, not talking about it. <laughs> and, and I think that was David's problem as well. I think it was, you know, his cartilage was his problem. But in, and in some ways, that can actually be more troublesome depending on how the tear is. And uh, you know, without getting too deep in it, because I don't know exactly. But I, I just remember at the time the physio saying that I was quite lucky that I didn't have a lot of other uh, damage basically. So it was the, the rest of the knee was pretty clean. So I think that's unfortunately with David's situation where. He, you know, he had he, uh, a little bit of damage, yeah. uh, more damage than they initially thought, basically. So, um, but I mean, in terms of the rehab, it's it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot. Anybody that's been through that type injury will know that it's a lot of long days in a gym, doing repeating a lot of very uh-huh. small exercise, you know, and repeat, repeat, repeat. And so it does take a long, a long time. But that's when you need your teammates about you, some staff about, you, and that's what we try to do with David, you know a boy that I've seen since 14, 15 year old uh, coming through what you're trying to do is just you know the talent that's there and you just need to try and keep them mentally in a good place and because and, uh, you know their time will come you know you know they're still young in their career and, and, and they'll still get the chance to show their talent That was something I was going to ask you because obviously you're talking about being in the gym and you'll still get changed in the dressing room with the boys but you're not out in the park with them how big a part can that play for you because at that stage you're what, 26, 27 you're, you're becoming a bit more a senior player were you still quite involved in all the stuff that was going in the dressing room? Or did you feel maybe even subconsciously a wee bit out of it? Uh, I think you're still involved when you go in. What's the worst time is that time to go training. Uh, so you're all, you're all in in the morning, you all have, you know, whatever it is, a t- cup of tea or a whatever, coffee, whatever. Um, and, you know, there's always a bit of banter from maybe what's happened the day before or, you know, there's always something going on, obviously. So... It's that moment at maybe 10 o'clock where it's right, let's right. go, we're going to the training ground. And we don't, at Motherwell, it's split, so the gym's at the at the, the far park and we oh, train at Dale Park. So there is that split, you know, the right. boys that go training, go training, and the boys that go to the gym, go to the gym. So 
that that more that's probably the moment you think back up the gym right what have I got in the day right I've got to do 25 of these 20 of these you know and it's it's just kind of getting your your, your mind shifted on to if you want to get back out there uh, you need to do that you need to do this but so I mean that, that, that that's all it is but it's it's when you get as I say you need good teammates and you need good staff around you and as I say on the whole I think through the probably the 25 managers that I've had and sets of coaching staff <laughs> it's, only, it's only 16 uh, I, 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 I predominantly <laughs> Most of them have, have been good and, um, you know, say there's always been a bit of a support network there for them to get us injured. Moving on to a manager that I remember quite well when he came into Motherwell, he started to make a big difference. That's Mark McGee. I've heard you talk before about the, the Austrian pre-season camp. So yeah. how, how was that when, cause he, when he's first Brutal. come in? Because you've, <laughs> you've been through enough <laughs> managers to, to know how it is when a new one comes in. Was there uh, anything different about him when uh, he's come in or...? Uh, I we thought he was mad the pre-season they gave us it was brutal um, but that was uh, I think we finished 11th um, the year before I think we just avoided tenth relegation 10th was, tenth, tenth was, was it so we, yeah. I think we just avoided relegation I think we went to the last game or something though I think we were, we were pretty close but I think this goes back to what I was talking about earlier was we belly a wee bit in terms of demanding that we go and win any game and all the managers I've had Mark was the best at that the best psychologically in terms of coming into a group of boys that had, could have get relegated it was ah. kind of one of them the year before and he came in I remember one of his first team talks and he's he's telling us we can finish third that season and, and we're like first you know is this guy off his seat here you know and, but he just kept repeating it you know we'll go to Hearts and beat them we'll go to Aberdeen and beat them and, and it was he just kept chipping away at his mentally I think and at the time you think oh it's this, this guy's mad but it, it, it just it was like <laughs> self-fulfilling pro- pro- uh, prophecy you know he just kept saying it and saying it and saying it I think maybe he believed himself uh, convinced himself uh, as well as us but what he had in that dressing room was a group of young hungry people that just went with him you know we went to Austria for that pre-season we ran around a forest at 7 o'clock every morning then we did our double session after that and it was like he asked us to jump it was like how high you know it was that mentality we had and I think it was because we'd done so poorly the year before I think we were just like right we're going to just try that. Uh, well, this guy says lose, eh? and, uh, he was telling us we were going to finish third <laughs> so we were like let's go for it you know do you think with him obviously you, you never know what's really going through his head but do you think with him being part of good sides like Aberdeen side and all that and having played at a very good level getting told by managers like that I'm actually I'm sure he was there when Ferguson was there yeah. so he would have yeah. been told by Ferguson that was Ferguson's Aye. big thing that well, we'll go to Glasgow and we'll beat the two of them Absolutely. and that's how it is I think he's probably just adopted that and thought yeah. I'll take that in there I, th- I think so I think certainly part of it anyway I mean Marcy's very much his own man he's not He's not Sir Alex Ferguson I've been in a dressing room with him obviously but he, he is a different type he's not a you know hairdryer uh, you know that type he's got had his moments but psychologically he's very similar to that psychologically as I say that was his big thing was making a mother team believe that we can finish above Hearts Aberdeen Hibs you know all, you know, Dundee United all these teams which we ultimately did you know we finished third that year and qualified for Europe for the first time in years so but he had an ability to convince you know and I think any good manager most of the good managers I've had have that ability good communicators and basically have the ability to convince you that maybe you're better uh, than you actually are uh, you know and you can and it's a skill and Mark's got that in abundance it makes a big difference you touched on Europe that's something I was going to go on and I'm just going to the new you just play nonce you lose three and a other two legs but 
playing a good French side, there's really absolutely no shame in that. How was it playing against a team of that quality? Well, quality is a word because that was the first noticeable thing. I think we went to away game, and I mean, first of all, the whole experience was just unreal. You know, again, something that we never thought as young boys coming through at Mill, we didn't think you know get a chance to play in the UEFA Cup as it was at the time. And uh, our families were there, and yeah, you know, just the whole experience. I trained at the stadium the night before, and it was like kids at Christmas stuff, you know, in the stadium, and it was just it was brilliant. Um, but. In terms of just when the game started, it was just like, right, this is a different level. You know, again, relating to my own position, going to press people, and it was like you thought you were getting there and just flick it around the corner, or you'd go too tight and it'd just fall over, fall on the ball. You know, the classic sort of European traits that you were just, and you're having a go at the ref, and then if anything, the ref gets more annoyed at you. You know, just that European mentality of they just play the game, that nous, that, you know, whatever you want to call it, streetwise. That was a big eye opener, you know, at a, a different level. And that Nancy team, I think five or six of them ended up, I think they'd finished third, I think, or third or fourth in the French League the year before. Maybe third, I think, actually. But I think um, they had a lot of players that went for four, five, six million in, in a group that following season. Um, I think the big lad Fortuny, you know, went aye, to Celtic, he, right, he, he played. Um, and there was a few others. So a very good side, but that kind of level of European knowledge is something that we, certainly myself, you, you, you did have to build. You did. It was it was just a different game you were playing. You're the only person we've had on the podcast that has played European football. I mean, guys have played like, tournaments in Holland and that, but <laughs> not quite the same thing. In Europe. But see, you're talking about that team. I'd imagine that team probably would have been a, a similar level to Celtic and Rangers and stuff because they're one of the top French sides. But having said that, some of the Celtic Rangers teams you've played against would have went out and beaten a team like that. Mm. What, what's your views on, this is slightly away from Mullerwell, what's your views on, like, you look at Aberdeen and St Jonathan and Hibs getting put out in the qualifying rounds, that's a team you wouldn't expect to beat, so that's mm. fair enough, but mm. why do you think our teams struggle so much against teams who, are maybe teams you think should be beaten when they're playing Celtic and Rangers and, and one-off games can go and get results against the old firm, so... Mm. Why do you think we struggle so much when we're playing teams in Europe who aren't quite at Celtic Rangers level? And in my opinion, teams who probably aren't quite at Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen's level as well. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one. I think I think it's almost like... I don't think you can have a blanket view mm-hmm. on it. You know, I think it is a very individual, depending on the team at that point, you know. Um, you know, I think for the likes of the Carabag side that played Aberdeen, apparently, I think their budget's aye, crazy, you know, ridiculous. Aye, aye. You know, so... Aberdeen going out against them. Listen, across the board of Scottish, should Scottish teams have done better? I think probably, yeah, is the answer to that, you know, across the board. But I think each individual time that's happened, I think there probably has been two or three different reasons for that. I don't think there's just one reason across the board why that's happening. I mean, I can only speak from our own, our own, uh, my own experience. We had a kind of both sides of the coin. I would say there's maybe... So, if you, I mean, I won't list them all, but Panathinaikos, should they beat us? Probably. Levante, should they beat us? Mm. Yeah, probably. Um, Stoya Bucharest. Stoya Bucharest, yeah. You know, so there's not actually that many for us, I don't Aye. think. I think there was one occasion, I think we played Odense of Denmark. That's right, yeah. And they, that's probably the one tie that we came up with, and that was to get into the group stage. I think we'd won two, I think that was the third qualifier that we'd played, so we'd actually won a couple. Uh, been to Iceland and beat a good Icelandic team been to Norway beat Eilisund in Norway and then we played Odense and that's the one I think I go. I come away and think right that's the regret mm. I think they went down to 10 men 
uh, we missed a pen Jamie Murphy missed a penalty in the, in the home leg just missed opportunities you know and that's the one game you think we were as good as him we should, we should have went through whereas most of the other ones you think I see. Don't know if we. I don't know I if we actually deserve to go through. So uh, it's a hard thing to say across the board. I think. I think each individual, you, you could make a case for should they go through. I think for me, it's. I get quite frustrated. I'm very patriotic, and I want Scottish teams to do well. Barring Rangers, I can't really. <laughs> I can't really say that. But like. I thought St Johnson did really well with our games against Galatasaray. They gave yeah. a great account of themselves and stuff. Yeah. And I did genuinely support the clubs for Scotland when they play in mm-hmm. Europe because it's good for everybody, I think. It just gets frustrating that there's so many times that like the dance you're saying, aye, that game, Panathinaikos, the Bucharest, that's mm-hmm. their whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. too many times for me, we just, we fought that final huddle, but I'm saying that as a Celtic fan, the amount of times that we've been put out of teams mm-hmm. that you think we shouldn't be, mm-hmm. as what it is. But you do had... Um, a nice wee club record as well. You were part of the team that has the biggest European win ever. Where um, you beat oh, Flamatari. Flamatari 8 yes, 1 after losing aye. 1 0 away from home. That's right. Aye. That's, uh, the hottest game of football <laughs> I've played for record. There was um, a boy that scored that game, uh, Paul Slaney's on another podcast. You've probably not heard of him. <laughs> Offside goalers, so I don't know what they're called, right? But um, after losing the first game, obviously mitigating circumstances, I imagine with the temperature and stuff. You were, were taking a bit of stick yeah. coming back to, to Fur Park and then taking eight after them. Did you feel a bit vindicated after that? Uh, well, it was funny. I, I go back, just briefly, go back to the home game for that. Uh, sorry, the away game for that, Flamatari game. And we played, memory serves me, it was like a two o'clock kickoff during the day. I don't know why we played mm. so early, two or three o'clock kickoff. And it was 40 degrees. It was unbelievable. It, it, was the, the, it took me back to playing it like the race course or something like that, or doing it Darrock <laughs> on, on a bad day. Grass up to the, the knees, you know, it was a proper old uh, old school pitch. Bullet holes in the walls and all that, <laughs> the, the stadium. And is, that, is that no normally like Mullerwell? After a Saturday night. But so I, that was, I was talking about European experiences, that was, that was certainly the one. But it was a funny we missed a penalty Big John Sutton missed a penalty and it was one of the games where you were playing against a team and you knew you were much better than this team but we just couldn't score it was roasting it was so actually coming back we always felt confident did we think it was going to be that score no we didn't but it was actually one of the games we thought we'll battle when we get home you know we just had it was one of the days uh, but did we expect that? No, we didn't expect that, and it's um, aye. I think as you say, a club record. Uh, so. It'll be nice because I don't imagine that will get beaten, if no. not for a long time. No, anyway. we, well, aye, <laughs> just to qualify for Europe again, it'd be nice to be honest. But uh, aye, listen, it's aye something we'll be doing in history, I suppose. Which is like back on back on domestic football because I'm well at my depth for European <laughs> football. Um, Mark McGee's had a good few years. How was it when he's moved on? Um, it was it was a bit of, well I say it was a bit of a shock we, we knew I don't know if you remember he was actually linked very closely to the Celtic That's job right, yeah. and I think he was from certainly from what we heard he was very close to getting it to be honest with you and you know things changed there um, so by that point we kind of knew there was rumours there and it was no surprise I mean we had as I said we just spoke about it, it went for 11th to 3rd and you know, he was, you know, absolutely flying, really. So it was no surprise it was other people interested. So um, it's still a shock when it actually happens. Um, and it's because we'd done that well together. It was, it was, you know, we were hoping he would obviously stay on. But again, that's football, it happens. 
Um, but we just had to move on. As I say, it was, it was nothing else we could do. Uh, it was just a case of trying to carry on that form that we'd shown, um, which was going to be a difficult thing. But um, so it was difficult. It was difficult. It was actually a difficult period after that. See, when you're in the club, obviously, most of viewers and that will not know what it's like being in a club that size. And from my experience, I've only been a junior football when you're doing well and a manager goes. It genuinely it does come out anywhere because these things happen really quick at that level but there's obviously a lot of media stuff around it and you're saying it was close to getting a Celtic job I'd imagine a few years had a good idea what was going to happen and there'd be a bit of chat between yourselves and possibly with the coaching staff is that something that does happen at that level when these things are kind of in progress it does I mean sometimes even at even at the professional level it does come out the blue mm-hmm. but um you know, usually there is a wee whisper. Uh, you know what's happening, and actually with the with, with the Mark and the Celtic thing, it was a wee from memory anyway. It was a wee bit prolonged. There was a wee bit of chat about it for for, for, mm-hmm. for a period of time or so. But it still doesn't it still doesn't prepare you mentally for when it does happen. You know, yeah. right? That's him. He's away. You know, so that it was like that when he left. Obviously, to go to Aberdeen. Um, and but we just had to keep going. You know, that's what happens. Managers come and go and. And we just tried to try and stick together and keep keep, keep going. As I said, it had been a successful period. It really had turned the football club around in terms of mentally what we expected from ourselves as a group of players. So he'd raised our expectations. He'd certainly left a legacy in that regard. Um, but it's always difficult to see a manager leave. Jim Gannon's come in after that. It's not been the longest of spells. And then you've had Craig Brown's come in. What was it like having Craig Brown, who is a legend in our game, who managed the national team and everything, go to the World Cups and Euros and stuff? What was it like playing for a guy like that? Oh, brilliant. I loved Craig Brown. Love he, he, Again, back to wee moments in your career and things didn't work out for me under Jim Gannon. You know, not just myself, but he seemed to have a bit of being his bonnet about the more, most of the experienced boys that had been in the team and kind of took most days out of the team, to be honest. Myself, Stevie Craig and Stevie Hamill had a spell out. Um, and you know Fenton went wrong it was really us that were the scapegoats for whatever reason so which listen it happens myself in this side of the game now it's, it was really how he went about mm-hmm. it we, we had the problem with rather than what he'd done if you like but anyway you know that and again I was, I was probably close I was thinking of, you know leaving because it just I was just wasn't playing and not that I wanted to leave but, but Craig and Archie came in and again it was just that respect instant respect right. from the dressing room for these guys what they'd achieved in football and uh, and I think Craig and Archie knew when they came in they had a good group of players I think they just knew it was a dressing room that had been right. kind of split a wee bit um, and if Craig Brown has got one strength it's bringing people together you know making people feel valued and that's exactly what he's done he's, he's so good at it and, and it's uh, you know he just galvanised the dressing room What's he like as a manager because I can imagine the perception you get from when he's on TV now obviously he's, he's quite a bit older and stuff seems like a very quiet guy and softly spoken and stuff and obviously being a teacher before quite an intelligent guy was he like that in the dressing room or did he have a bit of side to him well that's why he had Archie with him just to <laughs> fling the teacups <laughs> over his shoulder just to try a uh, bit of target practice but the two, I think that was the big thing the two of them together mm-hmm. because Craig is um, you know conscientious guy as you say softly spoken guy very well mannered very well educated um no, that Archie's no. <laughs> <laughs> and I would never say that to his face. Don't worry, I'll never be watching it. But it's just a great team together. You know, it, it, it's, 
you know, you knew exactly what you were getting for each of them. Archie did 95% of the training, was excellent, was straight down the line, was very demanding. Um, and Craig just managed the whole thing. You know, it's exactly what it was. I think he was a head teacher before, you know, Aye. you could see him in that role, almost, you know, making sure everybody's just pointing in the right direction, just overseeing the whole thing. And that's what Craig is great at. Uh, as I said, making everybody within it, just every small part in that dressing room and in that coaching staff just feel a million dollars. And, you know, have Archie there when he just needs to kick a couple of arses. And that's exactly what he did. It's funny, I suppose. It's people looking in would think, oh, you have to be a, I'm not saying it wasn't, but a master tactician or not. But if you've got great people skills, you can make a guy's day a lot of things that are they wouldn't expect to be able to do themselves. Craig Brown's left, Stuart McCall's came in with Kenny Black. How was it playing under playing under them? Because I remember Stuart McCall quite well for his Scotland days and his Rangers days and that and he was a legend at Bradford and stuff. What was he like coming in? I, well just that status again. Mm. Again, respect. I was actually an well, still am an Everton fan. Uh, a lot of scout well my dad's <laughs> a scouser so that's the connection there. So seeing him come in as well, ex kind of Evertonian, uh, back when I was a boy, he was supporting the team. Kind of eighties, he was mm. kind of part of that late eighties team. So, on uh, a personal level, I was I was uh, I was looking forward to that. But you, you starstruck at all? I was a wee bit, you know. It was actually his first game was at Parkhead, and I remember that. And I remember just coming into the dressing room for the first time. And again, you know, seeing your best managers, you think back, they've just got something about them. You know, they just walk into a room. And you just think, right, the manager's in the room, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and Stuart's got that again. Not a very different, thinking back to the likes of Billy Davis, he's not a like really intense character, you know, he's made a bubbly character yeah. and, and gets the place going. But what they, you know, as I said, all these guys, Craig, but yeah, Mark, they have a presence yeah. about them, whatever that presence is, whatever that personality is. They've just they've got it, you know. They walk into a room and they bring that personality to that room. And Stuart was like that. It was absolutely brilliant. Him and Kenny together, and it coincided with probably me personally, my best football. You know, my best two or three years without a shadow of doubt. You know, my best football. And I think I would by that time was at I'd probably be into my thirties then. I think. Um, but if I look back at my career, that's my most. I think just professionally, my best like two or three years of football, no doubt. I think you was definitely a good spell. Obviously, Rangers going out of the league. You became the second force for a couple of years. Then you've obviously just got Cup final against Celtic. What's it like playing a hand in a Scottish Cup final? I, special. I, I, I've been asked this question a few times in terms of highs in your career and regrets in your career, and that's everything in the one. Mm. <laughs> you know, if I can encapsulate everything in the one game, because it's a high to get there. I actually remember the semi-final so well. It's like so clear we played St John's. We beat them four-one. Actually, I remember it so clear. <laughs> I remember the score. Like we beat them anyway, right? I, 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 can't you remember, remember playing it. I remember <laughs> playing it, right? But what I remember about it, what I mean by it, is just that feeling of knowing that you're going to play a Scottish mm. Cup final, which is like just, you know, it's, well, it's a once in career for, for it was for me, um, uh, certainly playing wise. And just to know you're going to be part of that day, you know, part of that day that everybody watches, you got them to tell you, watch, you just watch the Scottish Cup final, don't you? You know, uh, 99% of the time regardless of who's playing in it. Um, so we walk out of hand and again, the family's there. It, just for us on the day, we just never turned up, is the honest thing, you know, we just never, for whatever reason, as I say, we had a really good side that year, we played some really good football that year and just on that day, we just didn't, and Celtic played well, Celtic deserved to win the game. Um, 
and aye, it was one of the things. So it regrets that we didn't play as well, but just absolute joy that you were actually part of a Scottish Cup final because as a boy you just think ah, again, you just don't think that's going to happen I actually remember watching that game I was playing with Mary Hill at the time and we were a player of the year too back at the social club Mary Hill I don't remember the game because I was that <laughs> steaming but I remember, I remember that it was on but um, Rangers are obviously out of the league you have taken second place two years in a row is that a career highlight uh, obviously at Scottish Cup is that something you consider a high of your career being the second best team in the country because for clubs like Motherwell and stuff that is kind of number one almost isn't it if you can't with Celtic Rangers yeah. full strength it's you can't compete in terms of the, the resources aye. and the players they can get aye. is that a real high for you? Aye definitely I mean getting to play Champions League qualifier for Motherwell is just again you just think nah, no. chance you're never going to get a chance to do that and actually it coincided with I became captain that year, so I became captain the year we went to play Panathinaikos. So I think it was my first game as captain. Was walking out for part with it, you know, yeah. with, <laughs> leading the team out in a Champions League qualifier and you know things like that. That's the thing. I think back to my playing career. It's like those moments, mm-hmm. you know, just the wee moments there. You're walking out the tunnel. And in fact, I had my wee girl was a mascot, um, and they're the moments. That's you know, special. that's that's. That's your football career, you know. I think back and I think, right, that's it. And the way out in the Olympic Stadium in Athens, again, family travelled out and things like that. So it's just, these are the things you don't think you're going to get to do, uh, if you're honest. Malou, certainly no Champions League anyway, um, but something that you just, uh, you cherish the, the memories. You've you spoke earlier about your dad taking a phone call for your debut. Is that something that you have ever spoke about with? you being the captain and leading the Motherwell in the Champions League is now you've got children who are they're not old enough to be doing anything like that in sport or life or anything but is that something you and your dad have ever spoke about where because I'm a parent now my kids are very young but I could only pick, I could only imagine my son leading it, his club <laughs> in a Champions League qualifier um, being captain um, is that something you've ever spoke about? Do you know what? No really no uh. and I think maybe we will one day I'd probably have quite like to do that to be honest but it's funny when you're in it see when you're in it and you were in it I was in it for so for how long I was you almost do take it for granted mm-hmm. a wee bit you do I know, I know you it's, you shouldn't and you know but it's just it's your job it's what you do it's not it's, it's not you know um, not, you know it's special but it's just what you do yeah. if you know what I mean so it's it's, it's, it's like you just kind of go on with it but as I say my, my family my wife's family went to all the European trips I think they went to well however many it was 8, 10 European away trips or whatever and um it became the norm for us, which right. is absolutely, you know, <laughs> you think it's mental for a Motherwell team, you know, but it, it was, you know, it was just what we did every year. We had a couple of trips in you. <laughs> we eventually get put out and then, you know, we get we get, we get get into the league. But uh, so, as I say, it wasn't really something that you thought, right, I need to speak to my dad about right. that because it was just what we'd done. And I, I think now once I've retired and you know, I've been retired what, four or five years now, but... Um, I hope one day we will actually get a right. chance to just sit down and things like my testimonial thing, like, don't get me wrong, there was a, cup, a chance to maybe sit and have a wee chat now and again, but it's something I should do more of, to be perfectly honest, because it did, not just m- myself, but, I'm, you know, for, for my family and all that, as you say, I've not really seen it for their eyes, I'm sure if it was me, I, I'm right. exactly, I've got a wee boy and a girl now, for me going to watch them do something like that, I'd be like... I mean, I've been, uh, it's <laughs> funny, <laughs> like, I? people laugh at me even bringing this up, it's no comparable, but... Um, I remember because I had to stop playing even though the level wasn't great I had to stop playing at 28 because my knee was knackered and one of my last games I had a picture with 
I managed the Bridgewater Amateurs at my right, first game. Aye, aye. So um, I had to play in a friendly and I, my wife brought my daughter, she was only about a year old at the time, and my best mate, who's her godfather, had to step in and help me out because we were short of players. And I've got a picture of me and him and her. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favourite pictures. Ah, right? brilliant. I mean, it's, it's a daft friendly to Paris Arts and Govern, <laughs> but it means a lot to us, you know what I mean? It's, exactly. it's quite an important one, so no, I just, definitely. it's something I thought I'd ask. But, um, no, no, definitely. After McCall leaves, your way, Ian Barraclough comes in, team's struggling again, I'm conscious of time, but the big game, or the, the playoff game, what was that like getting into that? Because obviously Rangers were favourites, even though looking at both sides, they see you as possibly a stronger team. Mm. What was it like having McCall and Kenny Black in the dugout for Rangers know, when they just so recently been? Uh, it was hard to be honest, and I remember even after the game and the whole build up. It, it, it was it was hard because I'd built such a close relationship with Stuart and Kenny. To be honest with you, so all the most of the experienced ones had. You know, mm-hmm. it was like you know probably as close as we'd got to any of our managers. To Aye. be perfectly honest, so I'm just still keeping touch with them now and. Um, so it was actually really hard to be honest particularly after the matches the way it ended and stuff but I think as you mentioned the error experience helped us massively in those ties we we were poor that season really poor overall to be honest but what helped us in the particular ties was you know Steve McManus Scott McDonald Pearson Hamill at that point probably during the season it didn't help us maybe a few years were starting to come at the end of their careers and and and, uh, it didn't help us overall but for the particular games it did and I think particularly the the first game going to Ibrox away it was a tall order Um, you know just mentally but I think having that much experience you know you look around in the tunnel and you think right we've got a few boys have been here seen it done it I think helped us massively deal with that atmosphere and deal with the occasion you talk about the players straight through the spine of the team like you're saying McManus yourself Pearson McDonald Guys like Big John Sutton, Lee yeah. Evans yeah. went through a right, probably the yeah. best part of his career, even though he was so young at the time. Yeah. Um, you look at guys like that, that's where the experience comes in. Like I said, it's probably hindered you during the season. Yeah. The reverse fixture at Fur Park, obviously he's ended up winning by a couple of goals. I actually watched the highlights today in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. Rangers gave you a bit of doing at times, aye, didn't they? Aye, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you watch, actually, if you watch the first leg back before we score, Rangers are actually a better mm-hmm. team. You know, Rangers are actually a better team places bouncing. And actually, what changed that whole tie was us scoring the first goal at Ibrox. I'm convinced. I think if Rangers score the first goal there, I think we're in a bit of bother, Aye. to be honest. Um, but I think us scoring first in that game, and then we obviously go and get another one. But I just think the first goal at Ibrox was, was massive for the whole... The whole uh, two games. But as you say, even in that second game, and that, that, that build-up, I think it was only three days between the games that's like one of the worst three days I think I've had professionally it was just it was horrible just to build up to it you couldn't wait till it was over and you know everybody thought the tie tie was over but we knew it wasn't and honestly that second game it was I mean I remember looking at the scoreboard every five minutes you know you're just wishing that time away and you know yourself you go into any football game like that you're not going to play well nah. you know yeah, all we were doing was clearing hooking the ball clear you know feel like I'm talking from 10 minutes in you know and it's that's not, not like a good playing with a kind of fear that you don't really want I, when you're playing exactly it's like it's not a good test space to be and we were just so scared of chucking it away basically mm. you know I think if we were all really tr- we're all saying the right Aye. things in the restroom <laughs> we've all been there right let's go stay in the front foot don't take Aye. a step back Sh- straight out whistle goes oh Aye, that's, that's alright until people stop talking Aye. you're back in your own head <laughs> exactly let's take 10 steps 
gets <laughs> back and just uh, hope for the best. But there was a wee bit of that. And then again, we scored a goal and everything then, you know. I think it's the game of the two punches. Cammy Bell's yeah. worst punch ever trying to clear that, that first goal and then Mojny's one. Ah. It's funny, um, <laughs> Lee Irwin's really good mates with a mate of mine and we worked together at the time. And I remember going, ah, tell Lee he needs to have ordered himself getting down after that punch. But um, no, it was, that was obviously a big one to be involved in. Stephen Robinson comes in afterwards, you're kind of at the tail end of your career and stuff. How how did you feel about coming away? Because again, I've heard on something else that you you had the chance, if you played a certain amount of games, that you could extend your contract by a year and you've decided not to do that. Mm-hmm. What was your thinking behind that? I think just... I think just this being five years down the line and still being involved in the game still being involved in Mullable which is which has been great and ha- which is hard when you're in football because it's such a another you know you, you, you work hard to get into it you didn't think you were going to get the chance you weren't going to give it up easy if you like you know And I, but having said that I just felt as if the time was right you know I just felt as if I didn't want to become that player a balance between coming staying on and financially it was going to be better for me to stay on as a player and just thought to be a player it's like you want to still feel fit enough but what you're going to become that player was just basically on the bench maybe come off the bench for you know here there and everywhere and maybe just slowly dwindle out the game and miss that big opportunity to become the assistant manager which you know in Scottish football doesn't come around a lot you know there's only so many coaching jobs at the top level of football in Scotland and after I weighed all that up, I just thought, and, and coaching's always been a passion of mine as well. You know, I've done my first coaching badge at 26, you know, finished my pro licence before I stopped playing, which was a big ambition of mine. And, um, you know, I managed to get that finished, I think, when I was 33 or something, 34. So I was I felt ready, and I just felt as if it was too big an opportunity to, to, to turn down. And I think, luckily enough, it's been the right uh, you know, the right decision. Was there ever a conversation of potentially, like, you look at Scott Brown and Aberdeen, being a, a player coach or was it just no kind of Steve Robinson's like no I want you in as a coach or you want, no, I want you in as a player I, pretty much and that's what he said and that's what I said he he, he said that to me so but I, I felt that as well and I, I don't know Scott's situation I don't know how much coaching he's doing but I'd be amazed if he's doing a lot of coaching mm-hmm. because I don't think you can commit to I both agree. to be honest with you I, I think I mean I've, I know there's been a few player managers over the years how you can commit fully to yes. both of these things I think is is just I don't think you can do it. Not, not, not the way I want to commit no. to doing what I'm doing. You know, I want to fully commit to making, trying to make these players as good as can possibly be. I don't, I honestly don't think you can do that oh, and be a player. I, I agree. Just don't. Again, at a much, much lower level, when I was managing, I ended up having to play for a bit and you leave yourself open yeah. to so much stuff. And I also think that, maybe it sounds a bit egotistical, you lose some of your power mm-hmm. because you're having a bad game and yeah. you want to chin somebody and be like, oh, well, you've been poor today. Nah, nah. It kind of detracts away no, for that status for you. Yeah. How have you found moving in a, a coaching, coming straight for being a player, obviously? do you Did you take anything? This is something I always ask guys that we have on. Is there anything you, when you've went in as a, a coach and you've realised I did this wrong as a player in terms of maybe even how you just behaved or how you mm-hmm. carried yourself yeah. again I apologise for reverting back to myself because it's something that I kind of know about I realised that my attitude was stinking as a player mm-hmm. when I went into management I thought I would never have had a player mm-hmm. who had my attitude playing for me mm-hmm. no saying that was you but did you ever have anything that you thought I, I could have done this differently or better when I, I played I, I think just 
an understanding of the game first and foremost I think as a player it's a bit like that mm-hmm. you know you play like that you do your own bit your own job which by the way is not you know, sometimes you just want somebody to do a job. Aye. But what I mean by that is just an appreciation of the team, right? How where's the defensive line, right? What's how we get are we getting any width and if, you know, all the wee you know, the, the tactical things mm. of the side of the game. Then added in obviously, you know, how you look after yourself. Could you have done that probably better? I probably there's that odd time where I probably shouldn't have been out that night uh-huh. and probably you know, uh, should have looked after myself a bit more there. Uh, you know, so I think I think there's always wee things you look back in your own your own uh, uh, career but you know I think the managers we spoke about there and what I've tried to do is take little bits for all they all those Aye. characteristics as I said I think all the managers are different but one thing they had is they were them mm-hmm. you know and uh, they, they shared a lot of attributes and I think that's what you've got to be as a coach you've got to yeah pick these little bits and pieces but essentially what you've got to be is you and I, I, and I think I'm learning that all the time what is me learning what, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what am I going to be my strengths and I'm in a good situation at Mullow where uh, yeah I feel as if I've got a good grasp of the game and I'm, I can contribute but I'm still learning myself I'm still in a, a good place where I can learn uh, still learning off you know obviously Stephen Robinson's moved on now I learned a lot from him Graham Alexander the new staff's in now so you're learning you know new thinking of the game there as well so I still feel as if I'm kind of on my way somewhere um, you know hopefully that's going to be management at some point um, but you know I'm quite happy in the place I'm in at the moment in terms of uh, you know learning all the time every day and, and um, you know let's see what happens after that your coaching career started off pretty well you've had the two cup finals 17-18 season against Celtic you've lost both of them obviously having been there as a player did you know it's a massive difference in being as a coach like something I th- we got a lot of guys on here the managers talking about it even at junior level and stuff they talk about the highs being so high and the lows being so low like mm-hmm. when you're a player you kind of you can impact it and you can get by it still hurts a lot yeah. but as a coach do you feel the highs are higher and the lows are lower yeah I think so but I think it is it's undoubtedly it is to be honest with you because I think you feel a responsibility for the whole thing don't you it's, there's just no doubt about that um, but I think it's more when you win there's like a satisfaction there there's like a maybe uh, maybe something you've worked on you know or particularly to an opponent or just particularly to your own game plan or whatever it may be and just when something like that happens particularly on a big occasion you know like you know for instance the semi two semi-finals one against Rangers one against Aberdeen two big games for us you know and you know in particular you know the things that we'd worked on that week you know pretty much worked in those games so like that's the satisfaction you get as a coach and feeling as if you've had a bit of responsibility for, for making that or helping make that happen obviously the players are the ones that go out and, and deliver that and are the main players uh, as always but I think that's where the satisfaction comes but as you say and the flip side to that is then the two finals and particularly League Cup final not so much the Scottish Cup final but League Cup final we felt as if we were very much in and we played actually played pretty well in the game and then the ones you don't win the game you come away and you think that's you know that's the way you put so much in it so much into the prep so much into the analysis so much into the you know just the day itself make sure everything's absolutely spot on for the players to to perform at their absolute best and uh, you know it just doesn't quite happen and that's you know the other moments you just sit in a room after the game have a beer and the rest of the staff and you think right and and there's nothing else you can do you just need to I mean I think we played for instance after one of the finals I think it was a league cup we played Celtic again three days later so it's like 
as a coach you have the downs but it's like you've no time to next one and again that's a big part of your responsibility is not just to get yourself up but you know get that room get that dressing room back up in kind of two or three days Aye. time which is you know which is a skill in itself I suppose in that sense it's difficult but you've got that ahead of you you think well we have to just keep moving on we have yeah. to go home with Stephen Robinson's left you've become interim manager how did you find taking the club yourself? Uh, difficult to be honest um, it was a difficult period again we knew it was a pressurised period if you like you know, I felt as if the manager know that I knew he was going to go but I, you sense Aye. it you know you sense there's, it's, the results are going great and but still, again, when it happens, we announced, you know, uh, uh, you know, he was going to be moving on. It was still, you're like, right, right, that's, it's, 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 it's a hard one to take for everybody in the, in the club because he'd done so well for the club, you know. Was, I think he, from what he, when he came in to when he left, the club had moved on in so many ways, you know, with so many highs along the way in terms of the cup finals and, and uh, you know, and, and other games along the way. Um, but when that day comes, it's like, right, and again, like I've just said there, it's like a low, but it's like, right, we need to go again. It's a football club, you know, it's football moves on. You've just got to go and deal with that situation. And, um, you know, for that few days that I was in, in, in charge, it's just, that's what it is. You're trying to, try to galvanise a dressing room in a very short period of time. Some who had, you know, what's like in a dressing room, they've all different, right. you know, some have been quite happy for them as they go, some are begutted, some are somewhere in between, you know, so it's like, you're trying to gauge all of that in a very short period of time. Um, and you're trying to kind of pick up the pieces if you like in a short period of time so difficult it's it's um, you realise pretty quickly what management takes it's a you know it's, it's, it's a, a big responsibility um, but you know it's a responsibility that I, that, that, that I was happy to take on and as I say it was obviously a very short one but it was you know certainly for Motherwell I would if, <laughs> if they asked me to take out the bins I'd take out the bins you know so if they, you know I, I was happy to take on that responsibility forever was however ever, long it was going to be Was there ever a conversation about you possibly getting the job? Uh, well to be honest my conversations were you know take over the run of the club until you know that that appointment's made, and as I say, I was more than happy to do that. Um, so that that's what it was. You know, I've got a great relationship with the with, with the chairman and the, and the directors and the, and the chief executive, and um, and and that's what it really was. And as I said, it was a difficult task to be perfectly honest. As I say, it was quite a short time frame, but it's you know it's something that I was happy to do. And as I said, happy to help out the club in any way, that, shape, or form that they need. And um, as I said, just did that to my best of my ability in that, that short period of time. But it was it was a difficult period, and I knew it was going to be a difficult period um, for, the, for those next couple of weeks. It was good you being the manager and not having a manager for a no, I, well, that, 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 <laughs> You've had every exactly. manager that Motherwell's ever had. Exactly. Um, Graham Alexander comes in. For me, it, st- it struck me slightly of the. I wonder about the situation where he's come in and he's no brought his own backroom staff ended up yourself and uh, Morris Ross have stayed there was there any doubt that that was going to be the case or was there a couple of conversations that you had to have with him to kind of feel each other out and see if that's what was going to happen Aye, you know you do you do need to have conversations and you're never sure to be honest um, there's another couple of staff in now um, that Graham's brought in um, but at the time no you're never sure to be honest you're never sure and um, 
you know that can work both ways you know for for instance even uh, Stephen Robinson moving on you don't know whether there's going to be something there in the future mm-hmm, yeah. in terms of moving on as well and things like that but for, for me it was about I'm at Motherwell I'm you know, committed to, 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 to still being here and it's just a case as you say finding out what the manager's what his thoughts are what his thoughts are and taking a what direction he wants to take the club in terms of what that staffing is going to look like um, and you just do your job you know that's, that's what I felt as if I, you know, I want to show I can add value I want to show that um, uh, you know that I can I can still do a job um, for the football club uh, and that's what I did and as you say you just have conversations as the time goes on I think like anything you need to build a relationship uh, I didn't know Graham you know person, personally before he came in and that's something you need to grow something you need to build and um, you know I think I think we've done that uh, or are doing that uh, and and just your idea of the game as well, you know. Professionally, you've got to you've got to see where each because every aspect of the game, you've got to chat that through and see where each other is. Obviously, he's it's his his way, and um, it's just understanding that and and uh, moving forward in, in in the same direction. And but I think that's that's what we're doing, and uh, you know we've had a half decent start to the season, and just you know hopefully keep it going. Well, that's you have losing the first game this season. But since then, he's he's unbeaten, drawn one and one and two. So you've started to put together a good wee run. He's at, um, what is it, third or fourth in the league now? Aye, fourth, I think. So it's it's been quite a good start. And I think, just for personal thing, I think a lot of teams will drop points this season. I don't think it'll be like Rangers running away with it last year. I think Celtic are kind of, even though they're looking good when they're good, they're in a bit of transition period. So I think that yourselves, Aberdeen, Hibs and that, will be a lot closer Mm. than maybe have been in the last couple of years. What's your aim for this season? Um, uh, without sounding negative, our aim is always first and foremost to be in the division, mm. you know. And it sounds <laughs> sounds negative. So my little fans will not thank me for saying it. I don't think they ever uh, ever do. But uh, that is that is you know when you see likes of Hearts, Dundee United, Tibbs, Kilmarnock now you know been relegated yeah. in recent times. Um, you know it can happen so that, that that's it's not a target as such uh, but it's, it's certainly the bare minimum requirement. requirement exactly mm. um, above that you know we, we, we just want to be as positive as we have we've not put a place on it or anything like that but you know we've went, came, got off to a decent start and what we want to be is competitive in every single game again I go right back to you know that Billy Davis Mark McGee mentality you, of, need, you need to bring in the Mark McGee you should be telling him third, aye, third well, this but, season but, but listen <laughs> I, maybe we are telling him that <laughs> I'm not telling you but no, no listen it's not, it's not really that but what, what it is well, you know, obviously transfer window shuts uh, today you know maybe another couple of bodies in through the door once that squad then settles down you see what you've got in the building then you can start to really formulate what your best 11 is going to be then you know as the season you'll hopefully that start you know you keep that start going and then it's really once you start getting really into the guts of the season that's when I think you can start really setting specific targets but we want to be competitive I think we will be competitive in, in, in every game and uh, and really see where that takes us but uh, you know a positive a, a positive mentality uh, I think top six is obviously that target if you like I think everybody outside the, the old firm really I've got that set in their sights and, and we're no different we, we want to be in that mix at least to, to, to try and achieve that so um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's see where we go. It's always a difficult taking nothing for granted. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be. I think every day we take points off each other. Very competitive. I think this year the league's probably strong as no, it's been. Definitely. Um, uh, for a number of years, 
Um, we just delighted by part of it and want to be a part of it in, in that fight. Well, thank you very much for being your time. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Cheers. 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 Cheers